Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. God bless you. How you doing today? God bless you. My friend, do we have Philip Capuccio with us today? Yes, we do. Okay. I'm going to uh, call him now and patch him in. Stand by just a second. As we get him on the line, everybody, welcome back. Hello, you've reached Phil Capuccio. Okay. And I'm not able to take your call right now. Hang on. But please leave a message, and I will be sure to get back to you. God bless you, and have a great day. Okay, you know what? I have a Skype for him also, come think of it. Let me try that, too. Yes, right. Okay, hold on a second. Everybody, welcome. We're doing a four-show marathon today. That was Prophet Gregory Ellis in the first hour. And, okay, Skype, here we go. We should have him now. Stand by. If you're here for the first time, folks, welcome aboard. Invite a friend to join us. Uh, you can uh, send them over to Omega Man Radio. And um, there we go. Brother Philip, let's do a sound check. How you yes. doing? God bless you, my friend. I'm doing good. Okay. Can you, you ready? hear me well? Can you come any closer to your mic? Uh, well, I have my... My ear pods on. They okay. usually work pretty well. Okay, let's do it. Um, welcome aboard, everybody. We're excited to be here today on Thursday, the 21st, with evangelist Gary Stafford and a very special guest, Brother Philip Capuccio. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Perfect. Okay, fantastic. Brother Gary and Brother Philip, welcome. And um, Brother Philip, would you like to open us in prayer today? Sure, be my pleasure. Father, we just come before you today in Jesus' mighty name. 
And we submit ourselves to you. We declare your lordship. And God, for the entirety of this broadcast, we dedicate ourselves to you, to your kingdom, to your purpose. We ask that you would guide us. We ask that you would direct us. And even, Lord, we ask that you would touch and minister to those that are tuning in, Lord, all over this world. We give you all the praise for this opportunity. May what we say glorify you. And may it bring advancement to your kingdom purpose in our world. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, uh, Reverend, this is Reverend Philip Caputio of Springfield, Virginia. And uh, thank you for being a part of our program. And good evening and good morning. Uh, fellow listeners, wherever you are, we have an awesome program today, one that will cause you to realize the awesome power of God and the potential that even you have in your life if only you will listen to him. And uh, we'll also be taking Worldwide Communion toward the end of the program. So you may want to take a, a moment to get some bread or crackers and some grape juice or wine so that you may be prepared. Now, Reverend Philip, I'd like to make a short introduction uh, to uh, our program, and Philip was born in the Bronx, New York, one of two children and being the older one, and raised and educated locally until they moved to eastern Long Island, and uh, that was New York, and where he finished his education and at the age of 15, Philip had something happen in his mother's kitchen. A mother's kitchen. How about that? And that would dramatically change he and his family's life. Would you tell us what happened? It would be my pleasure. Good to, good to be with you, my dear friend. God bless you, Gary. Well, I tell you, it's amazing that the days of law is what the last time you spoke, and that was three years ago. So this is awesome, and tell them what the, happened to you. It was back in uh, probably about 1975 when my mother had a life-changing encounter with the Lord, and as you had just shared, we were uh, I was born and raised in the Bronx for the first 11 years of my life. I was born in 1961. And I was born into a very traditional family for the time, traditional Italian Catholic family. I went to Catholic school and served as an altar boy, as did my dad and my grandfather. So we had uh, religious and moral values for sure. Uh, but during that time in New York, the 1960s, 
uh, things were getting a little tough. That's when drugs began to really hit the streets. Uh, even though we lived in a, uh, a nice and decent area of the Bronx, my dad worked at Wall Street on the time and uh, having two young children, he wanted to offer us a, a better environment. And even though our family was in the Bronx, they uh, we moved out to Long Island and they built a beautiful new home not far from the ocean. Uh, it was just a beautiful time for the Capuccio family. And it was, boy, every little boy's dream. I mean, we loved the ocean. I could bike to the ocean. My high school, unlike the, uh, the paved cement uh, schoolyards that I was used to uh, playing in, now we had ball fields, soccer fields, football fields. It was amazing, and I was uh, I love sports. But in about the 1970s, the mid-70s, certain things began to occur to bring a lot of pressure within my parents' marriage, more than we were you know, aware of as children. And it was uh, in May of 1975, when my mother was feeling quite overwhelmed with uh, how the condition of things in her relationship, my dad, she just stood in that kitchen and began to weep, realizing that the only prayers she knew were rote prayers, prayers she had learned, but she didn't really know how to pray. I mean, her, her situation was desperate. And, uh, and as a result, she cried out to God as best she could, and she had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in that, in that particular kitchen. And it was like it all illuminated, and all she would tell us was that when she cried out to God, Jesus came to her. And she couldn't really explain it, but she knew it. And from that point on, she began to have an incredible, observable hunger for the Bible. And uh, being of the Catholic faith, uh, that's not typical. Uh, because we were never really encouraged to read the Bible, uh, but rather we listened to our priests. But she couldn't put the Bible down, and it was coming alive to her. It was as though the scales had fallen off of her eyes, and what happened was she experienced a spiritual uh, rebirth. It's exactly what Jesus said in John chapter 3, she was born again and born of the spirit and so uh, shortly thereafter god put christians in her path she began to uh, continue to feed that hunger which uh, of the word of god and at first my dad thought that mom was crazy because all she was doing was reading the bible and crying and i remember one occasion i was playing baseball i was about 15 at the time and i was playing baseball and dad came to the game and he was going to be going out of town on business. And he said, you know, keep an eye on your mom. Uh, there's there's some problems. And he had this look of concern. He said, you know, all she does is read the Bible and cry all the time. He thought she was having a breakdown. Meanwhile, God was restoring my mother. And uh, long story short, because I want to get to my time in that kitchen. That's the question you asked. Uh, but long story short. Three months later, my dad was reading the Bible and crying all the time. And uh, 
the Lord had gotten a hold of him. And what I began to witness started to really impact me. They had left the the, uh, Catholic Church and started to attend a uh, Bible preaching church that believed in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the thing I couldn't deny as a young boy, I didn't understand all of their uh, outward expression and love for the Lord in that way. Uh, All these new friends, they, they, they all looked like they swallowed a light bulb. They were always smiling and happy and, you know, praising God. Everything was, thank you, Lord, and praise God. And this was all new. But the thing I couldn't deny was the changes. These were legitimate changes. They were transformative. And the affection between my parents and the atmosphere in our home, I I mean, honestly, I mean, I loved it. And I loved the man that God was making my father. What religion couldn't change in 40 years, my dad was about 40 years old, Jesus himself certainly was changing. And uh, it was two years later, I continued to attend Catholic Church, and uh, my parents were growing in their faith, but then there came a day, and it was October the 13th. It was Friday the 13th, 1978. I was 17 years old, and I was with my friends, and we were driving. Uh, we were going to actually go to, back then, you know, what was real big were dance clubs. We called the discotheques on Long Island, New York. And uh, what had happened on Long Island was something they have since uh, made a movie of years ago called the Amityville Horror. And uh, that was based on a horrific situation in Amityville, Long Island, where a young man. His mother and father. Uh, in an incredible way. And uh, it was horrible, and it shook Long Island. But we went to go see that house on Friday the 13th, and I was with my friends in the car, and we got to talking about uh, spiritual things, and one of my friends said he didn't really believe there was life after this life. And I I felt he was making reference to my mother. He said, uh, you know, I think people that have a relationship with Jesus or read the Bible, that's what they need. But I believe you live, you die, and that's it. Well, somehow, Gary, that really bothered me. uh, That One of my friends just didn't believe in God. And even though I didn't know God, really, I said, you think you just live and die? Look out your window. You think all this just came to being? You think that no one was behind this? Somebody made your car. Somebody made your clothes. Anything we see, somebody made it. You don't think there was a God that made the trees and creation? And I be, something came alive in me. And I said, if you want to know anything about God, you should really talk to my mother. And one of my other friends said, you know, I've been having some questions Let's go talk to your mother. And Gary, instead of going four young men 
instead of going to a club where we can meet some nice looking girls, we went 30 miles in the opposite direction to go speak to my mother about God. You know, when that happens, the Holy Spirit truly is moving. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we went in that kitchen and I knocked on my mother's bedroom door. I said, Mom, I'm out here with a few friends and we've got some questions to ask you about God. Well, I tell you what, that door couldn't open fast enough. And my mother opened that door with Bible in hand, and we sat in that kitchen at the kitchen table till five in the morning. And we fired away, and the conversation went every which way. And the thing, I was a senior in high school at the time. I was uh, 17. I just started my 12th year in high school. And the thing that really impressed me, Gary, was no matter where the conversation went, my mother was able to say, the Bible says, Jesus says. And I didn't realize that the Bible had answers for life. I didn't realize that. And uh, that really impacted me. And at the end of the conversation, mom said these words. It's as though it was yesterday. And meanwhile, it was uh, 45 years ago. Mom said, we've been, we've been talking all night. She said, but I want you young men to know, Jesus said that no man comes to the Father except through me. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And then she said, and Jesus said in another place, you must be born again. And when she said that, it was so compelling. It really got a hold of my heart. I can remember that night. And then she invited us for Sunday night service at their church. We used to make fun of the church my parents were going to because that church had a big sign on plywood, big like maybe four pieces of plywood, and they had a big sign on the side of the road that said, Jesus is Lord. So we used to make fun of it, calling it the Jesus is Lord Church. I can't believe that now I was going to go. So we went, and it was Sunday, October 15th, on a fr Sunday night. I had never been in another church other than Roman Catholic. So we sat in the last row in case we had to make a quick escape, you know. We didn't know <laughs> what to expect. And I got to tell you. The atmosphere, I had never been in a quote-unquote church atmosphere like that. There was such joy. There was singing. There was instruments. I mean, everybody was engaged. And then there were testimonies. People were giving their personal stories of, you know, how their lives were impacted and changed. And then the pastor preached his sermon. And I felt like the entire sermon was to me. And at the very end, he said, tonight, you can have the assurance for the forgiveness of sins. I don't know if he always said that, but he said it that night. And when he said assurance, I knew I didn't have that. If you would have asked me, do you believe you'll go to heaven? I, I probably would have answered, well, uh, I think so. I mean, I've never killed anybody. You know, you start listing the things you never did. 
And then you say, are you sure? If you would have pressed the issue, I would have said, well, I, I hope so. And if you would have pressed it even more, and if I was really honest, I would have to say, I, I'm not sure. Because any religion that is built upon and based upon your own works could never provide for you the assurance of the forgiveness of sins because nothing I do could take away my sin. You know, when do you know? Have you prayed enough? Have you fasted enough? Have you done this enough? It can only come by the grace of God and the mercy and the gift of God. And that was made real to me. And that night I got up, I, I went down to the front as the pastor invited us. My friend put his hand on my leg, said, what are you doing? I said, I've got to go down there. And when I stepped out into the aisle, it was as though somebody turned the faucets on. I mean, I began to weep, I just weep. And here I was, a young guy. I never even smoked, man. I was a, I was a sports athlete. I, I didn't do drugs. I mean, I did mischievous things, but I, I never did anything that you know, quote-unquote, was so horrific. And yet, when I went down to the front, I was convicted of everything I've done or thought of, and I knew was wrong. And I asked God, I cried out, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And then, suddenly, I knew that I was forgiven. I mean, I can't even explain it. I began to thank God, I'm weeping, and the Lord saved me that night. He filled me with his spirit. He filled me with his love. I was born again. I was at the front of that platform, at that altar platform for three hours. And the reason I knew that was because when the pastor dismissed the service and he invited those up to the front, I looked at my watch and it was almost nine o'clock. We went to the service at 630 I had never been in a church service for that length of time in all my life. And yet it seemed to, you know, be really just uh, maybe a half hour because the service was filled with life. And I never looked back by the grace of God. And I was a 17-year-old boy. I gave my whole heart to God. And I just said, Lord, do with it what you desire. And from that day until now, uh, the Lord has graciously directed and guided me. He called me to preach his word. I've pastored. I've traveled the world. And uh, I'm getting ready to go upstate even this weekend to preach. And I just thank God for all that the Lord has done. You know, Reverend Philip, uh it's it's amazing. Uh, some of the people are listening uh, that are young. They're maybe 19 years of age. I had a high school senior listening to my program, and it, it changed his life. And he suddenly found himself moving in the direction of the Lord and wanting to do these things that he never had done before. And he was, you know, like 19 years of age. And 
I remember that you were 19 when something happened. Can you share that? Uh, when I was 19 years old? Is that... Uh, you yeah, you were working as a lobsterman by trade. Yes. Yes, by that time. So when I gave my heart to the Lord, as I just shared, I was in my senior year of high school. And, you know, the beginning, and that's when you are beginning to make decisions as to what you're going to do, what college you're going to go to, if you're going to go to college. And uh, I had done pretty well with my schooling. I could have gone to just about any college, and I was working with my guidance counselor. But somehow, Gary, when, when I gave my heart to the Lord, uh, and as the months unfolded, I really was losing desire to go to uh, college and, you know, to just continue in my secular education. I didn't know what I would do, but I felt like God had a purpose for my life. Things were changing. Desires were changing within me, and I didn't know what to do. So what I decided to do was not go, not make a decision right away to take at least a year off, grow in my faith, grow in my relationship with the Lord in the Word of God, trusting that God would direct me somehow. And an opportunity was given to me to become a lobsterman. There was a brother in the Lord who owned quite a lobster business, and he invited me to work with him, which uh, I thought was great. I mean, I love, like I said, I love the ocean love fishing. So I thought, well, this is great. I'll make money. Meanwhile, I'll seek the Lord and see what God has for me. So for the next almost two years, I was uh, lobstering on the east end of Long Island out in the ocean. And one day, uh, when actually I was 18 years old, which really wouldn't happen, but one day when we came into dock after lobstering all day, he mentioned and he said, you know, there's a little church service. It's a storefront church, and uh, they've got service tonight. Would you want to go? And I did, you know. I mean, I had such a hunger for God that I wanted to go to any meeting where believers were gathered and the word of God was preached. So I said, yeah. So we cleaned up real quick, and we went to this little storefront church. It probably was 20, maybe 30 people. Today, it's a, it's a little Italian restaurant on the north shore of Long Island. And uh, anyway, I walked in. And when I walked into the meeting, we got there a little late, not wanting to disturb the meeting. But this woman was already preaching. But when I walked in, she looked over the pulpit and she looked right at me. And she said these words, young man, don't sit down. Your call to the ministry, son, prepare your heart for it. And she continued to prophesy and speak a word from the Lord about God's purpose in my life. And she said, uh, my hand is upon your life. One day you will even shepherd a people. I see a flock of people around you. She said, this is down the road quite a few years but you're called to the ministry, son. Prepare your heart for it. As she spoke those words, I just began to weep. And it was as though 
she gave articulation to the things I was feeling but was unable to put my hand on it. And and that just clarified it. I knew then. I didn't know how. I didn't know when. But I knew I had a life's calling. So from that point on, I was directed by God to certainly work different jobs, but to prepare myself, continue to grow, continue to serve, serve the Lord, serve in the church, let God form me and fashion me. And I was instructed of the Lord that I was not to uh, continue in secular studies the way I had thought, and I was not to work uh, in any field that was to be uh, a life occupation. I was simply to work hard, and uh, the Lord would provide, but I was to really keep within my heart this sense of God's calling. And uh, I have certainly seen that come to pass. But that was, that was life-altering when I received a prophetic word that would brought confirmation to God's call in my life. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I understand that years later you got you got uh, a chance to go to Boston, Massachusetts. For what reason and what happened? Well, what happened was shortly after I received that particular word, it was about a year and a half later, I was about 20 years old, and uh, I was invited to serve in my local church on Long Island. You know, the pastor and the elders began to recognize God's gift in me. I was invited to preach several times. And as a young man, uh, at 22 years old, I should say, hands were laid upon me and I was ordained into the ministry. And I served as an assistant pastor of a growing church. And that was... uh, That would have been about 1983. And then in 1989, me and my late wife, who passed in 2015, uh, she would lead in worship, actually. We began, God began to direct us to the city of Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, we didn't know a soul there, but we had gone there. And when we went there, something strange happened in our heart. We were in uh, Faneuil Hall that great, beautiful center, that historic center in Boston. And the Lord, uh, together, really, simultaneously, God began to do something in our hearts toward that city. And uh, we just joined hands, committed ourselves in prayer, and said, Lord, uh, whatever this means, we ask that your will be done. And God, through much confirmation in different circumstances, began to make quite real to us that we were to move to Boston. So in May of 1989, uh, we moved to Boston, Massachusetts. We had come in contact with a a few, uh, a a small group of people that was meeting in what used to be a very notorious bar uh, in East Boston. It was owned by the mafia. Uh, There had been people killed in that bar and, Somehow, really, it had come into our hands. We renovated it, and it became a church, and the Boston Tabernacle was born. And for the next ten and a half years, 
I preached and pastored in Boston, Massachusetts. And we saw the Lord do amazing things and many lives changed. I, awesome, awesome. I, and I've heard this story about the Boston Tabernacle and uh, it made a tremendous uh, change in your life. And then I, I realized that the Lord was not through with you yet. And then he was enlarging your ministry, talking, uh, uh, telling you to prophesy where he sends you. Tell us about that. Yes, well, uh, throughout the years, it seemed that the gift of prophecy, you know, let me, let me just reference a scripture and then I'll, I'll tell you the testimony. Uh, it says in Acts, uh, well, it says, in Joel chapter 2, which Peter made reference to when the 120 were in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, including the apostles, uh, and Jesus said that they were to wait in Jerusalem, that they would be, they would receive power after the Holy Spirit would come upon them, and then as a result, they would be witnesses, they would be living witnesses unto Jesus. Well, they waited for 10 days in obedience to Jesus. And Acts chapter 2 tells us the story that when the day of Pentecost fully came, it says they were all in one place and in one accord. And it says that there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and that the whole room, the whole room uh, was filled and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. But when it got the attention of the people that were outside, because they were all there celebrating the Feast of Pentecost, uh, Peter referenced what Joel prophesied 800 years earlier. and he Because they said, what's going on? And he said, uh, the way you're acting, I'm paraphrasing. Oh, he said, we're not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is, but simply the ninth hour of the day. He said, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And here's what he said. It shall come to pass in the last days. I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. He said, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And he wow. say, yeah, your old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions, and upon your handmaidens and servants, they will prophesy. And so what we find is, prof we serve a God that still talks. He spoke everything into existence in the book of Genesis. We read those words, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, proceeds, not just what God said in the past, but what God is saying now. So God continues to speak. He's a living God. He's a talking God. And prophecy is when God, by the Spirit, speaks through one of his vessels, and they speak forth by the stirrings of the Holy Spirit. That began to operate within me 
Gary. And so what happened was, at times, I would bring prophetic words uh, in during the worship service, you know, to the congregation. And the more I functioned in the gift, the deeper and the stronger the gift was operating in my life. Until years later, uh, after we pastored in Boston, uh, God brought again prophetic confirmation. He was releasing me to the body at large. And that led to a transition out of the pastorate. And God supernaturally began to open doors. And I began to travel and fully itinerate, bringing, uh, preaching, evangelizing, but also prophesying, speaking the word of the Lord as God would I would hear what God is saying for today in order to build the church, strengthen the church. And it was amazing because I didn't send any letters out asking people to invite me. Even to this day, I do nothing to try to uh, open doors for myself. I'm a, I'm a strong believer in what the Bible says, that a man's gift will make room for him. And so if God called me, then he'll make room for that calling I just need to be ready and be available and, you know, be a man that is living in communion with God. And uh, and and so it's been an amazing journey, Gary, because, you know, like I said, I've never even been to Bible school per se, but I've been a student of the word all these years. I've sat under rich ministry at myself. I've taught in Bible schools and I have gone to the nations uh, you know, and ministered to the nations, and so could it you, has been. Could you? Yeah. Could you? Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I. Uh, how many countries have you uh, prophesied and told the word of God? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to say it's probably been uh, close to twenty nations. Awesome. I, Awesome. And, 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 and fellow, fellow listeners, just realize he's talking about today. He's going to be heading out to talk in another church, which is part of his, his uh, calling, and, and it's revealing the truth. And the truth is setting the captives free. And you, fellow listeners, have been caught up by the enemy. And he, uh, Reverend Phillips here, is going to give you the answer. And uh, what, what, what would you do? Well, I don't know. Um, you said... Uh, you said that God had gone up with a shout, with the sound of a trumpet, and you were quoting Psalm 47.5, and explain what you're talking about. Yeah, the name of the ministry now is called Sound of the Trumpet Ministries. You'll find all throughout the scriptures... Uh, God utilizes, quote-unquote, a trumpet whenever he is going to 
communicate something he wants to do in the earth. So that was one of the scriptures. Another scripture that really is uh, deeply associated with, I believe, my calling is found in Revelation and the fourth chapter. And in that chapter, it says John the Apostle, who was on the Isle of Patmos, said that he heard a voice talking as the sound of a trumpet. And the voice said to him, Come up higher, John, and I will show you things which will come to pass. And he said immediately he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he saw the heavens open, a door open in the heavens, and he saw one sit upon the throne. But in other words, he said, I heard a voice, it was God's voice, but it was like the sound of a trumpet. The trumpet is an instrument that is not used to put people to sleep, but rather to wake people up. I mean, the military uses the trumpet when it's time to wake up those servicemen early in the morning. They don't send out a violinist, otherwise they'll sleep another 30 minutes. They send a trumpet. That trumpet has a bright sound of awakening. It's the sound of an alarm. Get up. Get up. Wake up the mighty men. And so I, I, the, the calling of God upon my life and the prophetic word is to bring an awakening, a spiritual awakening, whether it's personal, like maybe those who are listening, or whether it's collective like for the church to be awakened or a nation to be awakened. In other words, God wants the attention because he wants to do something powerful and something life-changing, and he wants us to experience an awakening. And so the prophetic word, whether it's preached, whether it's given in prophecy, if in fact it is a word from the Lord, it's like the sound of a trumpet. It helps to awaken people to, so that they can give their attention and focus to what God is doing. And then they could surrender to that and let God work in their lives and come into alignment with what God's doing. And as a result, they could become part of God's plans and God's purposes. I, I, I am so touched because you are stirring my heart and stirring the hearts of others. And, you know, it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, and fellow listeners, you are the world. Fellow listeners, you are hearing the call of God on your lives. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish. What? Shall not perish. What does that mean? But have eternal life. But few remember the verse that followed. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, 
but that the world should be saved, what? Saved through him. And Reverend Philip, could you give those who have never had that opportunity to sit in your mother's kitchen, let alone uh, hear the truth that will set them free, would you lead them to the Lord? It would be my pleasure, and I, I want to encourage those of you that are listening. It's not by accident or coincidence that I'm on and you're on at the same time, though we may not know each other personally. You've got to understand that, as Gary just quoted, God's desire is that the world be saved through his Son, and you are included in that. And so I believe that there are hearts out there. You may not be able to explain it, but something's been happening in your heart as I've been giving testimony of what happened in my life because the Holy Spirit is drawing you. And I just want you to know that whatever your ethnicity is, whatever your circumstances, we all came into this world having the very same problem. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all had a sin problem, every one of us. And there's nothing we could have done to remove that problem. It was the incurable disease of the soul. But God, who is rich in mercy, and God, who is a good God, he gave the remedy he sent his son, and then he allowed his son to experience the condemnation and the judgment that we all deserve. And as a result of that, that sin was judged. And God says now, if you will believe my son and what he did, dying on that cross, shedding his blood, and that he, would, he rose from the dead, you'll be saved. It's not by works, but by grace. It's a gift from God. So right now, I want to help you. I want to lead you in a prayer, but you pray it. Pray it out of your heart. Pray it out of your heart and watch what God will do. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord, I come to you today. I come to you today. And I open up my heart to you. And I open up my heart to you. I look only to you to save me. I look only to you to save me. I believe you love me as your word says. I believe you love me as your word says. And I believe you sent your son, as your word says. And I believe that you sent your son, as your word says. And now I accept the fact that he died for me. And I now accept the fact that he died for me. And he shed his blood for me. And he shed his blood for me. And by the shedding of blood, 
I am cleansed from my sin. And by the shedding of the blood, I am cleansed of my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day. I believe he rose on the third day. And Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. And let today be the first day where you work in my heart. And let today be the first day that you worked in my heart. And you will lead my life to fulfill your will. And you will lead my life to fulfill your will. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I now pray for those who have prayed. I thank you, Lord. Heaven has taken note. And I ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would seal these words that they prayed. Lord, that there would be the inner witness, even as your word declares, that your spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so may they receive that witness today. And as they prayed, may they begin to see, as my life witness, the unfolding of your will. Grant them a hunger and a thirst to know you and to know your word. God, guide them. Put people in their lives that will help them along the way. And in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you and we want to praise you for the spiritual awakening that many have experienced today on this program. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. And fellow listeners, if you have never, ever made that confession, that prayer of salvation, you have done the most important thing of your entire life because you have received by God's grace the gift of life, eternal life, and salvation and it was a gift, as he, as Philip said, it was a gift of grace and his mercy. And you know what? We have communion, and uh, this is a time when you can uh, join us if you have your grape juice and cracker, or wait till next week. Let's not rush things, but the thing is, is that in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26, and I say that because we are not talking from our, our own mind. We're talking from the spiritual heart of God, which is written in the Bible. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26, and it ends up saying, The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cracker or bread, whatever you have. Let's take it together. Thank, Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. Hmm. As often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ah. Thank you, Lord. We take it now together. In Isaiah, it says that by his stripes, he was healed. Or that you were healed. Yes. By his stripes, you were healed. And the thing is, is that Jesus took 39 stripes on his back before he went to the cross to shed his blood for your sins, to cover your sins, that they might be remembered no more. And it's interesting to realize that there were 39 diseases known to man that were prevalent at that time. And so the wording is, by his stripes, you are healed. And I want you to know that relationship, and I say that because he, uh, Reverend Phil, talks about communion. That's communing with the Lord. Yes. That by his stripes... I am healed, and I have taken that daily for eight years, and I have never been sick one day, and I take no vaccines, and I do nothing other than receive the grace of God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And and I... I, I want to say something to, um, and I'm not sure. Let's see here. Um, well, I want to say Psalm 91, and I tell you Psalm 91, and uh, only that you have a chance to refer to it. And the Lord says, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. Yes. I will 
have them shortly. Uh, excuse me. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. Now, is that a relationship? I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and let him behold my salvation. And what yes. did you just do? You allowed yourself to be saved by the grace of God. And Reverend Philip, um, tell us uh, how we can get a hold of you. I have a, a P.O. box. I don't know if you still will use that. <laughs> oh, my P.O. box? Well, there's also the website. Uh, the website, which is www.sound of the trumpet ministries all one word sound of the trumpet ministries dot org org and on that website is my itinerary where i'll be preaching uh also the you know i mean the the address which i could give you uh which is sound of the trumpet ministries p.o box Five two three six one four. That's five two three six one four, and that is Springfield. One word: Springfield, Virginia. Two two one five two. Ah, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, I I realize that. You know, three years ago when I had you on, do you know it was the days of law? It was started with the Feast of Trumpets. I it's think that's awesome. I never planned it that way, nor did you. No, not at all. That's awesome. What so, a small world. Remember now, you got an email. And uh, that sound of the trumpet ministries. Oh my God, I love that. And mine is just in time ministries, which the Lord gave me at six thirty in the morning in a recliner. <laughs> <laughs> just in time ministries, and uh, the website is just in time ministries dot com. So. If you've misplaced your information, just write me in Just In Time uh, Ministries 15 at gmail.com. 90 seconds. I have it all written down. And, uh, uh, um, <laughs> Brother Shannon. Brother Philip, what a honor to have you with us tonight. And uh, when you gave that zip code out, Man, I remember Springfield. Uh, what a small world. I used to go to West Springfield High School and um, oh, did you? grew up, spent about 10 years up in Northern Virginia. My grandfather, 
Uh, his name was Pastor Brian Weber. He used to pastor 60 seconds of uh, the King Street Church of God up at uh, 2912 King Street in Old Town, Alexandria, years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, King Street, that's one of our favorite places to visit. My wife and I, you know well, Old Town is a beautiful place, King Street. Yes, sir. Down by the water, they have all these nice eateries and restaurants. Beautiful place. What a small world. I haven't been up to uh, Northern Virginia maybe 25 years, but uh, I hear it surely has grown since I was there. My God. Oh, it really has. It's, <laughs> we're in a place called Newington Forest, not far from Lorton. Newington Forest? Oh, my goodness. Uh, we didn't live too far from there. What a small world indeed. Uh, yeah. Brings back great memories. My brother, uh, an honor to have you on. We want to certainly get you back on again. It was a powerful Ten message seconds. tonight. Brother Gary, thank you for bringing Brother Philip on the show tonight. All right, and I'll give you the title that I gave it. Oh, yes. The Sound of the Trumpet Through God's Chosen People. Perfect. Excellent. If you're coming in late today, folks, we'll have it up here within the hour. Get this and share it with your friends. God bless both of you gentlemen. Thank you for doing the broadcast today. God bless you, Shannon, and thank you, Pastor Gary. God bless you. Ah, well, Reverend Phil, it was a blessing, and John Cava was our mutual friend, and he's gone back to Italy. (laughs) Yes, I heard. Okay. God God bless you, and thank you, thank you, thank you. For your commitment to Christ. Amen. Amen. We love you, Brother Gary. Another home run for Jesus. Great job, my friend. Amen. (laughs) See you soon. God bless you. Folks, we're having a four-show marathon tonight. Powerful broadcast here. Praise God. I'm excited to be part of it. And please share these with a friend. Now, we're going to get Brother John Terrell on coming up next. And I'm going to save MixLR and repost this in just a moment. So get ready to refresh out there. Stand by.